Hello, and welcome back to this series where we normally try to think about how we think about answering questions in pharmacy. However, this time, we're going to do something a bit different, and by request, we're going to try to talk about how medicines are funded and how we can work out who pays for what in secondary care under the English NHS system. It's a rather specific request, but I guess the heart wants what the heart wants, so we'll give it a go. First of all, a couple of caveats. The statement above, the English NHS system, was deliberate. The system for funding medicines in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland is different and arguably simpler than it is in England, so this is applicable to England only. Secondly, things in the NHS change frequently and at short notice, so this is what is currently true at 9.47 on the 14th of July 2021. I'm not guaranteeing that this is still true at whatever time you're listening to it, but it's likely to be similar-ish, maybe. So to understand how medicines are funded in the NHS in England, we need to know a bit about how the NHS in England is structured from the point of view of where the money comes from and goes to. So all the money starts off with the Department of Health from tax revenue. Part of this money then goes to NHS England to pay for healthcare. Now from the NHS England money, NHS England keep hold of some of it to pay for things directly, but more gets cascaded down to CCGs, clinical commissioning groups. These CCGs are responsible for commissioning care for people who live in their area, which means working out what's needed, finding someone to provide it, and then paying for it. People need hospital care, so some of the CCG money gets cascaded down to pay for hospitals. Secondary care. So now we have the overall picture of where the money has ended up. There's some in NHS England to pay for things that NHS England pay for. There's some with the CCGs to pay for things that CCGs pay for. And there's some with the individual hospitals to pay for the things the hospitals pay for. So far, so simple. But how do we work out who pays for what? Before we get to that, we need to have a look at another concept, payment by results. So let's have a look at the money a hospital gets and how it might be worked out. Now in a simple world, the hospital would work out how much it costs to provide what they're being asked to, and after some negotiation, that would be what they get paid. But that sounds a bit too simple for the NHS in England, doesn't it? And you're right, it is. It isn't in other UK countries where something similar does happen, but in England, we add a layer of complexity, the internal market and payment by results. So, a patient comes into hospital for, say, a hip replacement. Across the whole country, different hospitals will have different costs. Some might have older buildings, which are more expensive to heat. Some might have different staffing mix, making their wage bill lower. Others might do the procedure itself differently, making it cheaper. All of these things means that there will be variation in how much it costs different hospitals to provide the treatment. However, whatever the costs are, under payment by results, every hospital gets the same amount. So some will get paid more than it costs them, others will get paid less. Payment is by results, a successful hip replacement, rather than by what the procedure costs that trust. But why? So the idea is that if you pay everyone what it costs, it doesn't incentivize anyone to do things more efficiently. If people who do things in a more expensive way make a loss for every operation they do, they're encouraged to look at ways to reduce their costs. If people do things in a more efficient way, they get a bonus to reward their efforts, which they can then spend in other areas. So now we have a nicely complicated system to navigate. Each procedure and thing done in a hospital has a payment by results or tariff price. Come for a hip replacement and the hospital gets a certain amount of money. Come for an outpatient appointment with a consultant for your dermatology condition and the hospital gets a different amount. And this money needs to pay for everything that that event costs the trust or the trust makes a loss. Electricity, staff, equipment and medicines. So where does this leave us about the funding of medicines? We've just said that the tariff price needs to pay for everything, including the medicines. So we're done now, aren't we? Unfortunately not. We should probably have said most medicines, not all medicines. 
But why? Well, medicines are one of the things that could make payments by results, the tariff system, very unfair for some hospitals. Some medicines are so expensive and so unevenly used between trusts that they would make the potential costs very variable and so make the average payment that hospitals get unfair. It's probably easier with an example. So let's take two different imaginary rheumatology departments in two different hospitals. Now remember that both hospitals get the same amount of money, the same tariff payment, for seeing a patient. Now some medicines are really cheap in rheumatology. Methotrexate is cheap in the grand scheme of things. However, with more advanced disease, patients might move on to biologics, which could be £10,000 a year or more. Now let's imagine that 50% of people are on biologics at £10,000 a year and 50% of people are on methotrexate on a few pounds a year. Now the tariff price would be the average, so for the medicines bit, £5,000 a patient. Now you'd make a loss on those on biologics, but a profit on those on methotrexate, and it would all work out fair, right? Well, overall, yes, but to go back to our original imaginary departments, one might be a small department that sees patients with early disease, so only uses methotrexate. They're making a profit of £5,000 a time. Winner! But the other hospital, which is a big tertiary centre that takes all the tricky cases, might have everyone on biologics, so make a loss of £5,000 a time. Less of a winner. So what can we do? Well, what we do is take the medicines out of the tariff payment. If you use a biologic, the tariff price pays for the staff, the electricity, etc. And then you can also claim an extra payment for the medicines. The medicines cost has been excluded from the tariff. They're tariff excluded. So now how do we work out who does pay for these medicines that aren't included in the tariff? Well, it's to do with fairness. If we cast our minds back to the start of this podcast, you'll remember that the hospitals, CCGs and NHS England all hold different pots of money. By saying it isn't fair if the medicines was included in the tariff, because the patients using it wouldn't be evenly shared between hospitals, we need to think whether it would be fair for the CCGs or NHS England to pick up the bill. CCGs look after more patients than individual hospitals, so whilst the use of biologics in rheumatology patients isn't even between hospitals, it is fairly even between CCGs. Per head of the population in a CCG, one CCG will be similar to another CCG in the use of biologics for rheumatology, so it's fair that the CCGs pay for rheumatology biologics. However, there are some medicines that are so rarely used and are so expensive that even if you go up to CCGs, use isn't even. For example, eclizumab is around a quarter of a million pounds per patient per year. Some gene therapies are over a million pounds per patient. So for these, it wouldn't be fair for the CCGs to pay, as some will be bankrupted by the costs, while others wouldn't have to fund anything. So for things like this, the funding for the medicine would come from NHS England. And why is this important? Well, if we work out who pays for the medicine, the responsible commissioner, we can work out who we need to ask for permission to use it because who pays gets to choose whether it's something they think is worth paying for, and if they have agreed to pay for it, you also need to have a way to charge them for it as well. And that's it. It's fairly complicated, but essentially, hospitals in England get paid the average price for treatments, the tariff price. If they spend less, they make a profit. If they spend more, they make a loss. Most medicines are cheap and evenly used between hospitals, so are included in the tariff price. This means that the hospital pays for them, so the hospital gets to choose which ones they use. However, some medicines are more expensive and less evenly used between hospitals, so paying the average cost to all providers would be unfair. Some would always make a profit, some always a loss. Therefore, these medicines are excluded from the tariff and are paid for separately. 
if the use of the medicines is even between CCGs, the CCG will be responsible for paying for the medicine, so they get to decide whether it should be used or not. If the medicine is so expensive and used so rarely that use wouldn't be even between CCGs either, it would be unfair for CCGs to be responsible for paying for the medicine, so NHS England are instead responsible. They're the responsible commissioner. So I hope this has been an understandable introduction to the world of commissioning of medicines. It's a world you might not want to be introduced to, but it's important to understand it if you're working in secondary care in England, as it helps you understand where to get support for use of expensive, rarely used medicines, and why it's not quite as simple as you might first think. Thanks, and see you next time.